Today is April 12th, 2023. I'm David Berlin, and I'm bringing to you the Blockchain Journal podcast from New York City, where right now, NFT New York City is taking place. We're in the Javits Center on the west side of Manhattan. Place is full of all sorts of people who are interested in NFTs, vendors who make technology to help furnish NFTs. And staying with me is Jonathan Blanco. He is the CEO and founder of uh, Nift Mint, you have your t-shirt on, so you're doing a lot of great branding here. You just gave a talk on what it's going to take to get to the next billion NFT users. The first billion. The first billion. We're not even there yet. Okay. So uh, first, let's talk about Nift Mint, what it does, because you said it says NFT commerce infrastructure. So uh, we're all about enterprises and big brands using blockchain infrastructure is one of those kind of words that you know, gets my interest. So what is it that NIFMint does? Yeah, so NIFMint is the simplest way for brands to sell or offer NFTs to their customer directly on their existing commerce platforms. What we do is we abstract all the cryptocurrency and the crypto wallets and allow them to be able to mint, sell, and custody those NFTs directly on their e-commerce platform because we believe the brand needs to own the customer experience when it comes to NFTs or anything that they sell for that matter. Okay, when you say custody, because a lot of people in the enterprise world will be watching this, they're not familiar with all of the terminology. Uh, is custody a reference to the fact that you would have a custodial wallet uh, for, in, in, like if you're some big brand, you would have a custodial wallet and you would hold the digital assets on behalf of your customers? Uh, yeah, so that's a really great question. So when you create an NFT, it's minted, it's created, right? But that NFT needs to go somewhere. And so one of the biggest complexities that happens with NFTs and frankly, uh, something that's frustrating for brands is the fact that they have to educate their customer on how to use these things. And, and, and basically what it amounts to is sending people away from your .com over and over and over again. And so what NIFMint does is we actually custody that NFT on your behalf for the customer or for you. So as far as the consumer knows, they think that they're going on your.com and seeing their NFT and you're custodying for it, but in reality, we're doing it for you in the background via a series of APIs. So the brand doesn't need to worry about any of that heavy lifting. We do all that for them. So when I hear you describe this, I'm reminded of Starbucks Odyssey program, which is basically going to incorporate the NFTs into their mobile app. There's yeah. no wallet or anything like that. And sometimes when we talk about programs like that, we talk about this idea of web 2.5. It's not web 2, it's not wholly web 3, it's yeah. somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah, so I, I always, I love answering that because I, I like to think about it as, I think we just need to redefine what web 3 is. And so I, I still think of that as web 3 overall, uh, to be honest. Um, it's just there's this notion or this thought that Web3 has to replace Web2. And all Web3 is is really attaching you know, some of those principles onto the Web2 functionality. So if we think that Web3 means that the customer has to fully own um, an NFT or fully own a digital product, um, I personally think that's the wrong way to think about this overall because as any form of industry revolution, it's all about how does things become more simple, right? Like, it's not like, oh, we created this new industrial revolution and now things are more difficult, so productivity is, is more, you know, more complex. So, um, yeah, with Odyssey or Nike, um, you know, there's a lot of really good brands that are currently getting into NFTs and exploring this, but I believe the ones that are gonna find the most success are the ones that focus on their core customer first, as opposed to forcing, for, sorry, focusing on the crypto consumer. Because as I said in my presentation, 
as of last year, there's roughly about 30 million customers who have cryptocurrency, uh, or, or sorry, have cryptocurrency wallets via MetaMask. There's about 50 million people in the US that have cryptocurrency. Most brands have more loyalty members or people in their database that they can market to. So if a brand offers a Web3 experience or NFTs to their existing customer base, I believe they'll have a lot more success than targeting specifically a crypto consumer. One of the big areas for friction in terms of customers for brands has to do with this idea that if the brands are the ones that are dealing with the custody of, of their digital assets, whatever those digital assets may be, and they're trying to make it easier for the customers, at the end of the day, those same customers working with 20, 30 different brands could end up with 20 or 30 different wallets. Yeah. Doesn't that get a little messy? Uh, it does get a little messy, and that's why you need to have you know, trusted providers. You know, there's a reason why most brands not named Amazon don't do their own fulfillment, you know, don't do their own shipping and logistics, don't do their own PCI compliance and their credit card processing. They use someone else, right? And we see the same thing when it comes to Web3 and NFTs and the creation of it, the management of it, the selling of it, et cetera. Um, and then again, what's most important is making sure that you're offering products, services, experiences that your customers want. And so if that means that that needs to take place on your website, which I believe it does, then that means that you should probably think about how is this being custodied on the site. Um, and so what, you know, what NIFMINT does is we facilitate that, we handle that, um, and we basically link it based off of uh, different identifying factors like uh, email or cell phone number, et cetera. And we can't even do it off of a wallet address if someone wants to manage it that way. Um, but but by that you mean uh, they can bring their own wallet? They could bring their own wallet if they want to. But again, early data shows that that's just not what the mass consumer wants. We're here at a crypto conference and everybody here probably wants that, but the mass consumer is not demanding owning the NFT on their own wallet. They, they don't wake up in the morning and say like, this is a problem for me. But they do want the digital experience. They do want the product. They want, because they love the brand, right? Like they'll, they'll do what they, what they can to get the experience from that brand. When uh, you were talking about retailers, retail experience, opportunities for NFTs, you mentioned that loyalty is probably the biggest one right now, but that you thought a bigger one had to do with this idea of a fidgetal or a digital twin or, technology? Uh, actually, yeah. So I think loyalty is really big. What's really interesting about loyalty with NFTs is it think of, if you think about the marketing behavior that you're trying to achieve and you're trying to unlock, NFTs really unlock that behavior because it, it's this notion of like badging or you know key in a way. Um, I think digitals and digitals are also really interesting. I believe every high ticket price item that you ever purchase will have an NFT equivalent to it. And I think that actually also scales down to over time, most products that you purchase will have an NFT equivalent. Um, and what I was mentioning on stage is I, I really believe in the authenticity aspect of NFTs um, and having things like warranty information and service information built into the NFT from the onset. Was it a refrigerator? Yeah, I, I always like to use uh, the Whirlpool dishwasher NFT. Uh, you know, no one's going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm trading my Whirlpool dishwasher NFT for millions of dollars. Like, that's not why you want it. But if it becomes a way for a brand to attach service plans easier, you know, on sales, um, that becomes really interesting. You purchase a, a dishwasher at Best Buy and the, the person comes to you and is like, hey, do you want to buy the service plan that comes with it? That service plan happens to be an NFT, cool little image, et cetera. But more importantly, it has the warranty information, the service information, where it was manufactured, um, parts, et cetera, all in one simple, easy to use place. 
uh, and now you have an easier way to manage your appliances. Um, you know, you scale that across different things that you purchase for your house. Perhaps you have a wallet that's dedicated to all your household items. You know, there really becomes this notion of like, how do I manage my home more efficiently or uh, products or the things I purchase? And once we get past the vehicle or the delivery method, which is what we're working on, uh, it basically becomes a better experience than you can offer by just giving someone a PDF or a JPEG of something or a piece of paper. So that's a pretty clear recommendation to big brands like Whirlpool. You got to take this approach. It's, yeah. it's kind of innovative. It's disruptive. Uh, uh, have you followed the use case where I think it's Lowe's and then at the Home Depot followed where they use NFTs to unlock the, the power drills, the, the power tools, so that if somebody stole an item from the store, it actually wouldn't work? Uh, I haven't seen that, but um, you know, there, there's some interesting ways that you could kind of do that, right? So like whether that be you have an NFC or some sort of chip built into the system, and then um, you know, by um, pulling in your NFT into the app, um, that's what unlocks it. Because what really what an NFT is, is a digital wrapper around a digital product or around a JPEG. Um, and so there's a lot of programmability that can come in with that that um, doesn't have to live on one centralized you know, system, right? That, you know, that's minted on the blockchain, et cetera. So whether or not someone takes it off of the network or, or keeps it in the network, you're able to really keep and understand that authenticity. So for those big brands that you're working with and you're providing your infrastructure to, if let's say I'm a customer of two of those brands, do you federate my wallet under the hood so I only have one wallet for the two brands? Uh, so that's a really, really interesting question. Um, so we understand that information in the background. Currently we don't, but uh, that actually is part of the plan, um, you know, uh, because it would be a little frustrating to go to each and every brand. Um, but that also becomes a decision that the brand gets to make if they want to make sure that that can be, you know, their the info or sorry, the the information can be uh, federated uh, overall. Um, we are actually working on our um, NIFMIT wallet, which is a dual parts uh, custody and non-custodial wallet. Uh, in the custodial wallet function, you would see all your NFTs across the different brands. In the non-custodial side, you can add anything you want to it. So basically, yeah, we we can do that. Okay, and. When you were talking after the session, uh, there's a crowd of people, as always, speaker gets mobbed. You were talking a little bit about some of the regulatory obstacles, and I thought you really had a great way of putting it, like you kind of looked at a line that was in the, in, the, in the floor here, and you put your foot on it, and you yeah. talked about how close you can get to the line and when you're stepping over the line. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the rules are more clear than people make them out to be, right? So like basically don't do things that look security-like, you know, don't treat these as something that, um, you know, goes up and down in value and you're participating in that value creation. Um, the things that you would do across the board. So you just have to follow basic SEC type of rules. Um, you mentioned uh, incentivization of behavior that's designed to drive the value of a digital asset up. Right, exactly. So uh, I don't believe any brand should participate in the value creation of the secondary market of their, of the secondary market of uh, the products. So um, that just becomes highly problematic. Um, whether or not you want to make the argument if it's a security or not, um, that doesn't matter. Like, all that matters is like, are you willing to have a legal battle about this? You know, do you want to spend a million dollars, a couple million dollars to prove that you are right? Um, 
in my opinion is you might as well just stay away from that at the current time. Um, I do think that there will be like more clarity into how to operate with these um, types of uh, products. But I do think currently, um, based off of the current rules, uh, you definitely should not be, as a brand, participating or um, getting your products actively onto a secondary market. Now, if they find themselves on a secondary market on their own because you know someone decides to list their NFT that they got from you on OpenSea, you didn't do anything to do that. That you know, there's no issue there. That's a, that's I'm happening. Not, I'm not a lawyer, but this is uh, what I've studied from our t legal team, um, and you know how we kind of go about it. And when, frankly, when we talk to brands. Um, that usually becomes like a, a blocker for them from their legal departments. They're like, hey, like we don't want to manage cryptocurrency. Um, we don't want to manage the crypto in a wallet or the NFTs in a wallet. And we don't want to have these on a secondary. That's their le more often than not, that's the legal advice that they're getting. Yeah, the general counsel's job is to say no. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and you also mentioned something which is it doesn't matter what the rule is. It matters. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're right. It matters if you want to fight it or not. <laughs> so you, you also said it matters what the guy thinks who knocks. Oh, yeah, exactly. It matters what the person thinks who's knocking on your door to let you know that you're doing something wrong. So, um, you know, it's just not a f fight that I don't think any brand wants to deal with. There's plenty of ways to do this and be successful. There's plenty of ways to get um, earned media opportunities when you offer NFTs. Like, just think of all the publicity Starbucks got um, in earned media just from announcing an NFT. Um, there's plenty of opportunities in like revenue and loyalty um, just by simply either giving these away or selling them that you don't need to worry about secondary markets, especially if your industry or your products don't, you normally don't sell it on a secondary market anyway. That's really great advice because one, there's a lot of companies just went out there and talked about the secondary market, probably something they should have done. And two, there's so much other low-hanging fruit to go after. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much opportunity just in doing things the way, um, you know, just treating it like a product, like it's just a, the evolution of digital products. There's so much uh, opportunity there. Well, Jonathan G. Blanco, uh, CEO and founder of Nift Mint. Thank you very much for joining us on the Blockchain Journal podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to meet you.